This is the first time uh, back in 2016 I did a previous movie challenge which also happened to land on a leap year because 2016 was a leap year and I by accidentally named my blog 365 days without actually researching it and then uh, just happens that I think it was like 280 something days into it I was like why do I feel like there's more days in this month than there should be? And yeah, turned out I had to review an extra movie because I uh, didn't realize it was a leap year. So it was a lot of fun. And the way I did it before was it was a blog. And uh, for some reason, I just was never truly satisfied. I don't know why. I did the challenge. It took a lot out of me mentally. I remember I couldn't watch a movie for like almost a month and a half. I just was like I couldn't handle it. I was watching TV shows because it was short tension span. You know what I mean? I think I drove myself that crazy with that challenge that I was like I, I need everything in short uh, bursts. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to handle it. And uh, But I've tried it again since. I didn't try it this way. So this is what is interesting for me. Um, I have Eddie's 31 Days of Halloween. I do that. I do Eddie's Countdown to Halloween. So you're going to see in this podcast, you're going to see that um, those are going to interlap, right? There's going to be the month of October where you're either going to be listening to the episode on this, which is 366 days, or you'll be listening to it. If, if that's how you listen to it, you'll be listening to it on Eddie's 31 Days of Halloween, which is completely fine. Uh, but, yeah, I'm the same person, so it's going to intertwine with each other. Uh, and each episode, uh, obviously, depending on the podcast, will have a different intro, uh, basically. But we're going to try this out. We're doing this. This is podcast form. We're going to try our best to do the best we can. And take it day by day by day by day. I am excited though. Because I have a film that I wanted to start off the new year. And I waited long enough to watch this. I'm a huge, huge, huge wrestling fan. So without further ado. For the first day of January. We are checking out the Iron Claw. Ever since I was a child. People said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing had ever hurt us. I believed him. We all did. Morning. Pants tomorrow, please, David. Perry, I want you to join your brothers in the ring. Yes, sir. I love that. Now, we all know Carrie's my favorite, then Kev, then David, then Mike. But the rankings can always change. What do you want in life, Kevin Von Eric? More ribs. <laughs> I want to be with my family. You know, be with my brothers. What do you like to do with your brothers? 
We can do anything. We're here to restore justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us. The hands that will deliver the iron clock to you. So what do you think? Like we're alive. I love your family, Kevin. Don't we, Uncle? Yes, sir. Oh, man, that makes me so happy. I talked to you about something, Mom. It's too tough on us. You gotta say something. Baby, that's what your brothers are for. Feel that? Ah. You feel that? Ah. That's pressure. Maybe you push it too hard. I'm fine, Kev. Seriously, I'm just sick. I'm scared, man. It all out of control. I need to think about my family. Your job is to wrestle. Live up to that deal or we are through. I told you to look out for it! I just love being out there with you guys. It's the only thing that matters to me. The Bonner will forever be the greatest family in the history of wrestling. All right, so there you go. So the Iron Claw, which is a very, very unique story. Before I get into it, here's the thing about it. So for those of you that aren't maybe into professional wrestling, there was a time when the Von Erics were like the superheroes of Texas. I mean, these guys were larger than life. They were stars. They were bigger than whatever but they were unbelievable i remember my dad would always tell me stories of the von erics and i unfortunately at the time was too young to really pay attention to what was going on in professional wrestling at the time because this is gotta remember this movie kind of takes place between 1983 and 1986 and those are prime years that i don't remember okay the first thing i remember was wrestlemania 3 that was my real real memory of uh, pro wrestling at the time. But, uh, yeah, so these guys were, were super, super huge. And uh, I remember one of my favorite wrestlers was the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, who was portrayed in this f- film by Jeremy Allen White, who you guys may know from The Bear, which is that big Hulu show. Uh, but the film really centers on a man by the name of Kevin Von Erich, who is the only surviving brother. Spoiler alert for those of you out there. Uh, He's the only surviving member of the family. And it's not really a spoiler alert, dude. I mean, you could look this up on the internet. It'll tell you. Uh, But he's played by Zac Efron, who I love. I love Zac Efron. I love a lot of the movies he does. Uh, His portrayal of Ted Bundy was just creepy as shit. Uh, Loved it. He co-stars along with Jeremy Allen White, as I mentioned, as uh, Kerry Von Erich. Then there's Harry Dickinson. No, excuse me, Harris Dickinson, who you guys may remember from um, Where the Crawdads Sing. I haven't seen it. Uh, Country Lines, Beach Rats. Those are some of the films that he's been in. Uh, He plays David Von Erich. And then there's Maura Tierney, who I love Maura Tierney. You may remember her from ER, Liar Liar, Insomnia. Uh, she plays their mother. Uh, Holt, McCann, Holt McCanley, who uh, is kind of getting big lately, but I remember him from Fight Club. He was the mechanic in the Fight Club. He plays Fritz Von Erich, who is the, the patriarch 
of the Von Erich family. And then finally, Stanley Simons, who you guys may remember from uh, Angelfish or even he did an episode of Law & Order, uh, SVU. He plays the youngest brother, Mike. And, uh, yeah, it's a unique story. So it follows the Von Erichs from their rise and the struggle um, that the father really has because this is a story of what happens when too much pressure is really put on your children from somebody else's expectations. Now, Fritz never won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. He always told his sons it was taken away from him. The opportunities were always taken away from him. The uh, He acted like as if the NWA, which at the time is not the rap group, so get that out of your head. There was a there was an organization called the National National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, they would eventually turn into WCW. Now they're back as NWA again, uh, but they were a governing body, so they were made up of a bunch of wrestling territories. I mean, this is a whole another podcast that we can get into about wrestling territories. But they basically managed all these different territories. Like there was Texas, there was Missouri, there was Memphis. All sorts of places. And they managed it. And their champion would travel to every, basically every territory. And he would go in and he would fight. So Fritz always claimed that the opportunities were taken away. And he tried to instill it in his kids. All this pressure, this immense, immense, immense pressure of having to perform to bring the NWA championship to world-class championship wrestling, which was the Texas outfit that Fritz Von Erich eventually ran that his sons wrestled in. So all this pressure, and you just see the pressure just sort of bubble over, and all of a sudden people start to die. And uh, family members begin to die, like David, whose actual death, all right, it was ruled... Whatever it is they say in the film, I believe it was a ruptured uh, intestine. But there was an actual name they had for it. Oh, I forget right now. But that is what's officially on the record. There are wrestlers out there that claim there's something else. But he was the first out of the wrestlers to go. And um, <clears throat> then you just eventually see it just all trickle down. Then it goes to Mike, who is a... Mike is a is a combination of two. He's a combination of Mike and Chris. Chris was a brother who had this disease that he was very his bones were very brittle, so he couldn't really wrestle. And he got apparently sick during surgery, and he went into like this um, into like not septic shock, but almost something like that, where he was in a coma for a couple weeks. He got out. Mike was just never the same. Eventually, Mike committed suicide. Carrie suffered a motorcycle accident, as you'll see in the film, and he lost his foot. And then there's all this pressure for him to get back in. And this is right after he finally accomplished the one thing the family had been dying for, which was the NWA World Championship. This is right afterwards, right? So he wins the championship gets in that accident obviously he has to relieve the title because he hasn't learned which 
I still to this day question how that man was able to do it for as long as he as he was wrestling with one foot and he would put it in a boot and everything. I still cannot fathom how he did that, but that's basically the story. And then there's that and it's basically the movie's basically Kevin battling this idea of this curse that's been put down on his family and all the drama that's centered around it and eventually the kind of divide between him and his father Fritz which you're going to notice very lot of a lot of tension once the brothers start to pass away and it's this thing it's all this pressure and, and this idea and, and the struggles and how it affected Kevin in his home life uh, with his wife Pam who's played by um, Lily James that's that's who it was played by Lily James, who was terrific. They moved very fast. I'm telling you, for a Texas girl, she moved pretty fast. Uh, but yeah, the film's got a lot of great action, a lot of great wrestling action. Uh, if you love wrestling, you'll love the film. The one thing that I'm gonna complain about, and for the most part, I love Chavo Guerrero as the, as the Sheik. I loved. Maxwell Jacob Friedman as the fake Von Erich because at one time they needed somebody so they brought in a guy who wasn't even related to them to be a Von Erich which didn't fly over pretty well with with the crowd Uh, Maxwell did a great job but there was one guy who and I get it because Ric Flair is somebody that is hard to imitate it's hard to capture the very charisma that man oozes on a daily basis and this was an opportunity for somebody to really shine if you're a character actor and and this is what you want to do rick flair is a tough sell because wrestling fans everywhere love rick flair and they love his his energy but the man who played him who's uh aaron dean eisenberg just was absolutely horrible I'm sorry, no charisma whatsoever. He did okay with the ring shots, and, I mean, his look was all right. I mean, I guess it's as close as you can possibly get to looking like Ric Flair. But when he was cutting the promos, I was like, dude, put some umph into it. Do you not know how to woo? Because he clearly did not know how to go woo. You know what I mean? Like so many people in the world know how to do, uh, especially if you're a wrestling fan. So I just didn't get it. He, to me, was the one sour spot in this whole film, uh, for sure, for me. It, I just was like, okay. He's in it briefly. I can handle it for now, but no charisma whatsoever. Uh, I thought the film was good. I thought it was really, really good. I thought it, it did a, a really good job of showing the struggle, showing the the pain that this family went through and, and how it ultimately almost completely tore them down and and how life was just kind of eating them up and spinning them out and how they dealt with it. Very good job dramatically. Obviously, there's a lot of things in this film that historically, um, there's a lot of inconsistencies with the film but that's besides the point okay we can we can kind of get over that because 
they have uh, anytime you're going to make a film you have to cut out some things you have to kind of speed up maybe some events for dramatic uh, effect because you're trying to tell a story and you're trying to tell a certain story and there are some things they left out uh, relationship wise with some of the wrestlers uh, well I should say some of the brothers in this rather than say wrestlers but you know that's understandable and it happens otherwise other than that I just thought really good I thought everybody was fantastic everybody was fantastic uh Everybody that was in it. I mean, Holt McCanny, Harris Dickinson, Jeremy Allen White, Zach Efron, Maura Tierney, uh, Holt McCanley, Stanley S- Simons. They did all did a terrific job in their roles. And I got to give another shout out to another wrestler, Ryan Nemeth, uh, who played Gino Hernandez. Uh, great job with him, too. So otherwise, everybody did great. The acting was great. The soundtrack was great. The, the, the overall look and feel of the film just kind of matched it very, um, not very bright, kind of like, it was like this brightness trying to shine through the darkness is really what was in this film, so really great job, because it, ultimately it's not, it's not completely a sad story, it's not completely that, but it almost is that, because here's a guy who lost Every single brother of his who he loved. So uh, shout out to the director, obviously, for doing such a good job with it and the sacrifices he obviously had to make uh, when ultimately writing this film. That's Sean Durkin. For those of you guys that don't know, he de- he wrote and directed the film. And before I forget, I, I want to talk about one quick thing here, uh, one stylistic choice that Durkin made that I thought was pretty interesting that he added this into the film, and that was the soul's journey to the other side. I mean, everybody knows the classic story of, uh, of, Sh- of Sharon. I think it's Sharon or Sharon, uh, who's often called the ferryman. Remember, he rows the boat in the afterlife, and only the souls who have paid him the boat fare with coins which are usually placed on the eyes or under the tongue of the corpse during burial can gain access to the ferry. And basically he brings you and he uh, takes you on this journey to the, to the other side. And it was interesting because in the film they had that after Carrie's death. It was almost like, you know, Carrie's in, the, in this boat and he's going down the river and he sees his brothers, you know, waiting on the other side and he places the coin down and then all of a sudden he's with them. And, and it's, you know, interesting because at one point he even looks down, there's like a little boy and it's Jack Jr. You guys uh, may remember he's the brother that um, passed away when Kevin was very, very young. He was the brother that apparently... Uh, was coming home from school and he was traveling over um, some of the trailers to get to his and he apparently tripped on a wire or, or stepped on a wire that electrocuted him and he fell face first uh, into the snow and he basically drowned is basically what happened to Jack Jr. So he sees him and Jack Jr. unfortunately because he never got to grow up I guess in the afterlife, whatever your last 
form of you was. That's what you are in the afterlife, according to this. I just thought it was very, very interesting um, that they had this in there. You know what I mean? Uh, very interesting stylistic choice, considering you know they were good old Southern boys who were very religious, but you know, just such an interesting, interesting choice. Um, I think it was to kind of breathe peace into a story that was otherwise very chaotic in the sense. But, yeah, check out The Iron Claw. It's a great movie. You will not regret it. I'm giving it an A- for a final grade. We'll see you guys all tomorrow.